0: worried uh, because you guys are moving further and further away from me <laughs> I, I don't know if I spit on people uh, I don't know if it just I look like an angry black man I don't I don't know what it is but don't be afraid of the front row in God's house so I have to throw that out there you know I just went before I came here I think uh Saturday, I took my kids to a Harlem Globetrotters uh, a basketball game because yeah. uh, I, I, I started talking to them about the Harlem Globetrotters and they didn't even know who, who they were. And I said, you've never been to a, I failed you as a father. Yeah. And so I took them on the way up here and I say that to say it, it, the whole place wasn't packed, but you know what was packed? The front row. Yeah, come on. The front row, it was not an empty seat in the front row. Yes. And I said, if people can fill up the front row to see the Harlem Globetrotters, oh, come on. surely in the house of God. Yeah, it's interesting because if you guys went to a Raiders game, oh, come on, here we go. Oh. you don't even want them nosebleeds. Yeah. Okay, I'm meddling now. I'm just going to go ahead. Let's throw that out there, man. I'm just throwing it out there, you know? And so, Genesis chapter 3. So appreciate you tonight, amen. Glory to God. Uh, Again, what a privilege and honor to be here. Been having a fantastic time, amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to preach a serious message tonight. Have you ever... um, how many here made a decision before and then afterwards uh, said to yourself, "Man, that was a dumb decision. That was stupid." Or I can't believe that I did that. What in the world was I thinking? Um, the reality of it is: is maybe you weren't stupid. Perhaps you had just been deceived. You know, deception is very, very powerful. Deception, the Bible tells us, is the tool that the devil uses against us in the battle of temptation. Sun Tzu, in his book, Art of War, said that all warfare is based off of deception. This is why the military wears camouflage. The idea is that they can be standing right in front of their enemy or their adversary and never even be noticed or seen. And the idea is they're going to gain victory by deception. Yeah. A while back, I begin to look at deception and why and when it works so effectively against us. Begin to think about what is it that comes alongside deception to tighten its grip on us or makes it effective, And I want to look in Genesis 3. We're going to look at Eve, a classic case. But I want to make a statement to you and and, and lock your mind into this, that if it could happen to Eve, then it could happen to you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, unless you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You'll not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and tree desirable to make one wise, she took of it of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and he ate with her. Then the eyes of both of them were open. And they knew that they were naked and they sold fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Let's pray. Here tonight, Heavenly Father, we come tonight, God, by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus. God, I pray, give us revelation and understanding, God. Lord, equip your people against uh, the snares, the temptations, the wiles of the wicked one, God. I pray, God, against every strategy, even those that are at work right now in the hearts and lives of your people, God. Keep us from destruction, God. Keep us from hellfire, I pray. Give us tools to combat the enemy. I thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's consider firstly a deeper look into temptation. The definition of temptation is to mislead by false appearance or statement, to falsely persuade others, to call someone to believe something that is not true, Typically, this is done to gain some sort of personal advantage. How many believe tonight that we are living in the last days? I know you guys have been doing a Sunday school concerning the rapture. We know one of the major marks of the last days has to do with this issue of deception, I think I heard one of the brothers mention in Sunday school, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken or in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word, as it is from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Then he says, Let no one deceive you by any means, Verse nine, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders and with all, listen to, unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this reason, God gave them over, watch the term now, to a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 2 Samuel 3.13 But evil men and impostors will go worse and worse. Here it is again. Deceiving and being deceived. Uh, Revelation 12.9 So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. So God and Paul are saying here tonight that the last days are going to be days of deceit. You must understand that the strength of the Antichrist, the strength of the demonic is his ability to deceive. We're not just talking about someone on the street. We're talking about those in the house of God as well. We're talking about a spiritual invasion um, that affects God's people and the world mentally. Um, We're talking about the foundations of your mind that being shaken. Uh, Again, he says a strong delusion. Um, You know, the problem with deception is you think you're right. That's deep. You ought to write that down. That's what gives it weight. It's because in our minds, I'm right. It's okay. I I know what I'm saying here. But again, you must understand the last days, the days we're living in are going to be marked by this acceleration of deception. Deception, though, is something that has always been. It's interesting. The last days will be marked by deception, but so, too, were the first days. All the way back to the garden in our text. It's fascinating. Because Eve knows what the truth is. Verse two, and the woman said this to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Think about this. She's not declaring that this is what her husband said. She's not declaring that this is what the media is. She said, no, God has said And so there's no doubt in her mind, this is from God. Question tonight is how in the world does this woman with 100% brain capacity, her brain has not yet been affected by sin. She has 100% brain capacity, top IQ. In other words, she's not ignorant. She's not unintelligent. The idea here is that she's being deceived. She knows what God has said. How does she fall into temptation? First Timothy 2.14, Apostle Paul tells Timothy, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. The Holy Spirit's commentary on this through the Apostle Paul is that she was deceived. This reveals how powerful deception really is to take out Eve. Again, as I said, Eve has all of her functionality, all of her mental capacity, and yet she was deceived. That's why I make the statement, if it could happen to Eve, it could happen to you and I. Yeah. How does the human personality? How do we get to this place? How does your mind work? How does the human personality actually function? It's actually quite complex. And so there's insight into how or why deception is so effective. They say that the human brain is apro- approximately three pounds with 100 billion neurons. The brain, we know, is the command center of everything we think, everything you feel, everything you do. It contains thoughts, ideas, experiences, memories. It contains everything, that how you function. Your mind is the place where you ponder, it's the place where you consider. Pastor Campbell and I, we were talking about this, and we talked about how information is brought to your mind through your five senses. Bible says it's then assimilated, it's processed, and then you reach a conclusion. Orders are given, a decision is made, and then we engage, and that is how life is lived. Proverbs 23 7 As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, what we're talking about tonight is a demonic assault against how you would normally process life, how you would typically come to a conclusion of truth, right and wrong, of morals, of how you think about how I'm gonna treat my wife, my husband. How am I going to raise my children? How am I going to spend my money up? How am I going to serve and worship God? How am I going to speak to and treat other people? They say your brain is divided into two halves or hemispheres. And within each half, uh, uh, there's particular uh, regions of control and they control certain functions. There's been a myth out there for uh, quite some time that they will say, namely, some people are, you know, are either right brain, strong, or left brain. But the reality of it is, the truth that they discovered is that the right side of your brain and the left side of your brain have to function together in order for you to make proper decisions. Stay with me tonight. They've discovered that the left side of the brain specializes in logic. In other words, it loves sequences. It loves categories, It tends to uh, control many aspects of language and logic. Uh, The left side of your brain loves mathematics. Uh, It loves numbers. It is analytical. It is where you uh, decide two plus two equals four. It loves facts. Uh, It is logical. It calculates. Uh, The left side of your brain is what responds to truth. Uh, It reasons. It responds to facts. Uh, It's called critical thinking. Uh, The left side of your brain is also able to see consequences. You may know the Bible calls it sowing and reaping. The left side of your brain is what says, you know what, I can look at family members. I saw the decisions that they made and where it led them. And if it's good, the left side of your brain says, that's what I want to do. Well, if it's bad or destructive, the brain says, I don't want to do that. Cause and effect. The left side of your brain tonight, you must understand, it loves absolutes, loves standards. It understands the law of God's word. It loves the word of God. The left side of your brain is what loves the word. It loves the commandments. That's the left side of your brain. The other side of your brain, the right side, is very image-based. It specializes in visual, in impressions. It's very picture oriented this is the whole idea with media-driven thinking. It's the danger. Because by and large, it's very visual and emotional. Well, the right side is creative side of the brain. It's expressive. It, it thrives on imagination, fantasy, and intuition. Image-based learning tonight, listen to me, is very, very addictive. Advertisers understand this. This is why they have Super Bowl commercials. And they show you images. That's why pornography is so addictive. Because it is image based. That's why you can look at a painting. And though that painting doesn't explain anything. It it doesn't teach you anything. It doesn't rationalize. It doesn't debate. It can actually still move you. You ever seen those pictures uh, many times in Africa? They'll show you starving babies with large stomachs. And they do that because they understand when they show that image, it moves people. I asked them to put up a few images here today. Go ahead if you'll put those up or one at a time for us. That ain't it. (laughs) Right there. What's that? Nike. Put the next one up. Uh oh. I'm about to lose some of y'all right now. Put up the next one. (laughs) Go to the next one. Go to the next one. If you ladies know this one. Uh oh, uh oh. Watch it now. (laughs) Go to the next one. Go to the next one. All right, that's that's. that's, Calm down, calm down. Here's my point: is we put those images up, and I didn't say a word, but the image moved you. The image communicated to you. The image begin to send off a a desire, perhaps it begin to communicate to you. This is why even the garden, the Bible says she's talking to the serpent. But uh, the idea there, she wasn't moved, but until she saw the tree in the garden, image begin to control and override even what God had said to her. The problem, the problem with image based learning, the right side of your brain. This is like your kids that live on TV and live on video games or image. When they're smaller, the right side of their brain, because of more use, listen, it becomes more dominant. It gains strength, gains authority over the logical side, the analytical side, and now it begins to take control. In other words, the right side of the brain becomes so dominant that it begins to take control of the decision-making process. So now what happens, we have a generation of people that are being raised up and they're making their decisions not based off truth, not based off this book or the word of God, but based off image and emotion. It's an old quote that says, if it feels good, do it. Again, we're talking about a decisions that are not based off right and wrong, not based off morality, but rather based off what triggers me emotionally, how I feel about something, what moves me. Edward uh, Bernays, he is uh, years ago in the early 1900s. He was called the father of uh, uh, public relations. He actually wrote a book called Propaganda. And in that book, the subtitle of that book, he called The Public Mind in the Making. And what Edward Bernays discovered is that you could move people emotionally to do things that are actually irrational or, or even against their own better judgment. Woodrow Wilson ran for the presidency in 1916. And Woodrow Wilson basically ran on a, 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 his whole campaign was we're not gonna go to war, we're not gonna go to war, America's not gonna go to war. That was in 1916, he won the presidency. And in 1917 Woodrow Wilson decided we need to go to war, he wanted to go to war. But he had already run his campaign telling everybody we're not gonna go to war, so he decided how are we gonna force the American people to go to war? In his mind, that's exactly what he would do. He would force people to do it. But Thomas Jefferson had said something that struck him. He said, in a democracy, he made the quote that you cannot force people to make decisions in a democracy. I want to read the quote for you here. He made this statement. Thomas Jefferson said, in a democratic society... Everything depends on the consent of the people. In other words, up until that point, when a general or president wanted to move the people, they would force the people, but now in a democracy, the Western democracy, we decide you cannot, uh, you have to get the people to consent. And so what they did, they begin to bring in Edward Barnet who had all this propaganda and moving people emotionally, and they decided they would engineer human consent. That's an incredible statement when you think about it. So what they did was they begin to grab all of the media, grab all the business elite people of that time, even to grab the ministers who were powerful in that day, the preachers. And they would put them on these commercials, Charlie Chapman and all. And they would, for, they would have the message sent out. We need to go to war. War is a good thing. Let's go to war. And by and large, they use these people to literally manipulate the mind and engineer. And all of a sudden now the American people. We're supporting the war. First, they didn't, but they moved them emotionally with a message through the media. They did this with tobacco. You may not realize tobacco. Today, we have surgeon warning, surgeon general warnings, how bad it is. But you might if you do your own history, they actually used to use doctors to actually sell cigarettes They would use the commercial. They would have the medical professionals telling us how healthy cigarettes were. Get that. The American breakfast today, bacon, eggs, and pancakes. They sold that as being the healthy choice. Now today we know. But again, what they would do is have doctors say, hey, this is a healthy start. This is how you start your morning. And today we know that has been very, very effective. Deception. The idea is to use both sides of your brain. Listen to me tonight, parents, if you will. Every parent here, you are the governor of your child's brain. And I would just say this don't allow the left side of your child's brain to become Superman or the right side to become Superman while the left side becomes Pee Wee Hermit. You've got to govern what it is they take in, what it is they view. Team of neuroscientists spent two years analyzing to see if we are dominant. They did MRIs of a thousand people and they revealed that the human brain does not actually favor one side over the other. The networks on one side they say aren't generally stronger than the networks on the other side, although the two sides function differently, they work together and complement one another. You don't use only one side of your brain at at a time. And so they say whether you're performing something that is logical or creative, you receive inputs from both sides of your brain. Left brain, again, is credited with language. But the right side helps you understand things like context or tone. You can learn words with your left side, but you will not be able to pick up the meaning of what someone is saying Without the right side. That's why we make statements like somebody says, oh, I know what you mean. Oh, I heard what you said with this side, but the other side is actually why I know what you mean. I want to tie this understanding back into our text. Because here's what happens with deception. In order to be deceived, listen to me tonight, you have to ignore one side of your brain. Eve, with the left side of her brain, she understands what God has said. She's able to repeat it back to the serpent as clear as it can be. But once the deception is introduced into the equation, it's like now the right side takes over. She's no longer thinking analytically. Not thinking about facts, logical or true. Now she's thinking emotional, visual. The imaginative side of her brain takes over, She began to imagine what it would be like to eat the fruit. Maybe she said, you know, I wonder what it looks like up close, how it feels, how it tastes. The Bible says she thought of touching it. What would it be like? How would it feel to have the knowledge of good and evil? Will I really die? What would death be like? What would it feel like? Meanwhile, no doubt the left side of her brain is screaming at terror. Don't do it, Eve. Eve, don't do it. You've all seen those uh, cartoons where they have the angel and the devil. Well, Both of those are present in your mind. Did you realize that? How else could she completely ignore the truth that came from her loving creator? Right? And begin to adopt deception of somebody she basically just met. Let's talk about the tools of deception the things that it requires to make deception effective. The first thing to maximize deception, it requires uh, desire. You have to understand human personality tonight. The reality is you and I all have a built-in bias. In other words, when it comes to information, when it comes to what we see in here, when it comes to any new evidence, we digest life, when we observe uh, actions, if you will, our decisions are very, I mean, we're very selective. There's a term called confirmation bias. How heard of that. Confirmation bias is a type of selective perception. It's the idea of taking in all the evidence, not simply to find the truth or what's real. But when all the evidence is taken in, it's taken in with the idea of confirming what we already believe is true. It's when you subconsciously begin to choose what you notice. You start to zero in on what tends to support the argument or how you already feel, the beliefs and convictions you already have while ignoring everything else. They say the ultimate truth of confirmation bias is that no matter what you're looking for, your brain will figure out a way to find it. A man named Lord... Mason, uh, he was a British politician in the 1900s. He said this about confirmation bias. He said, I will look at any additional evidence only if it confirms my opinions to which I've already come. Confirmation bias. In other words, if the information is consistent with our beliefs or what we already agree with, then we think it's well founded, it's intelligent, it's useful, it's acceptable. But if it doesn't agree, then we consider it foolish or a dumb argument. This is how people can support teams that haven't won a game in 50 years. (laughs) I won't name any tonight, but. You tell them, hey, and every year, they're gonna win the Super Bowl. Bro, they haven't won the Super Bowl. I have a friend, he's a Chargers fan. I tell him, come on, man, it's been a long time. Say, yeah, but this is their year. No, you wanna believe this is their year. You know, it's dangerous when you set your heart on something that is forbidden. James 1, 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Desire, craving, or a longing, desire for what is forbidden. We are drawn away by our own desire, something in us that the devil and the demonic taps into. I was speaking with a guy in one of our churches, and he's telling me about a young lady in this church. She began to date this young man, He had been removed for adultery for fornication. He had been out of the church twice. He was back in. The pastor told her, listen, I don't want you to mess with this guy. He's trying to just, I just want him to serve God. Long story short, they get together. He basically manipulates her. He was an older guy. She was quite younger. And uh, when it all came out, uh, the issue is she felt personally responsible. The pastor started to tell her, listen, no, this guy had seduced you, he manipulated you, you're not the first, he's done this. And the reality of it is, because she had desire for him, she could not see past his deception. Enticed, entrapped. The word means to bait or to catch by bait. The idea is the devil will keep dropping his bait in the deception of our hearts If there's a bite, how many know any fisherman knows if the fish are biting, stay right there. Don't change the fishing hole if they're biting right there. And so what happens is we begin to set our hearts on something. Our desire begins to grow and he taps into this. James 1.15, then it says, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin is missing the mark. It literally means to wander from the path of uprightness and honor, When sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. What happens when deception latches on to our desire? You know what happens when deception latches on to something you desire? You don't want to fight it. You don't want to deny it because it's it's what I want to. It's a desire. This is how people miss the will of God. They determine I want to live here or I want to move there or I want to take that job. And meanwhile, hell can be working his deception. He can be baiting you, but it's so hard to resist. Why? Because you desire it. Yes. You want it to. One definition of deception is to fail to admit to oneself that something is true. In other words, one man said the grass is greener on the other side because we want it to be greener. That's why the Bible instructs us in 1 John 2.15, do not love the world, the things in the world. Love, that means don't be fond of, don't entertain, do not welcome. You know, it's interesting to me how much the world is willing to pay to be a participant in deception. Magicians, entertainment, love to live in fantasy. You know... Most of the movies out there, it's very interesting. You fly, you see these things. 90% of those movies are humanly impossible. But people will watch, I mean, people jumping down from buildings and just, I'm talking miles in the air, and just land and start running off. we like, man, that was powerful. Some of you are like, that's not real? I can see that. Don't try this at home. Second thing effective deception requires is it requires not just desire but curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity. The serpent gave Eve in our text another option from what she was familiar for verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for God knows in the day your eyes will be opened you'll be like God knowing good and evil. This piqued her curiosity. Yeah. It's where the realm of imagination sets in, begin to quiet the factual, the logical side of the mind. This is where they make this imagination that's running wild. What would it be like to be like God? Man, I wonder what would happen if my eyes were open. Today they have the term FOMO for the young fear of missing out. This no doubt started in the garden, this kicked in. You uh, You know, what exactly is God trying to keep from me or hide from me? This is one of the issues with church kids. You know, most church kids stop serving God or when they get a vase, they leave the church, not because they were wicked, uh, most of them, but it's curiosity. It's the unknown. its I, I know what you're saying, Mom and Dad. I know what you're saying, preacher, but I just need to find out for myself. How can the most beautiful tree actually be harmful? Curiosity shifted her focus from God to the object of her desire. One man said, the serpent plants the seed of deception and then we do the rest. We water and feed it. Right. Second Corinthians 10.5, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. Bringing every thought into captivity and to into the obedience of what... Christ and this word. See, rather than casting down arguments, many times what we do is we entertain them. When the woman saw, the Bible said, Pleasant to the, desirable to make one wise. See, we are looking at a woman. She's she's contemplating. She's considering everything very carefully. Uh, I don't know how long it was from the time she began to examine the food. uh, You know, looks it doesn't look harmful. uh, It does. Till she touched it. Uh, Maybe when she touched it, nothing happened. She considered, continued to examine it. Then she ate it. Deception pulls you in with suggestion, touches your desire, curiosity, imagination begins to take over. We're talking about the anatomy of how people get deceived. Listen again. Eve had perfect brain capacity. She was not living in a fallen world. And the thought is, it could if it happened to Eve, it could happen to you and I. Yeah. Second Corinthians eleven three. The serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. The devil always makes sin convenient. You know, sin is never far, it's always right there in reach. That's why the Bible says in Genesis to Cain, Cain, listen, uh, sin's desire is for you. It's not way out there, Cain, it's crouching at the door. It's very near you. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Too. Finally, effective deception also requires our pride. That's why I titled this sermon, If It Happened to Eve, It Could Happen to Me or You. Because if it happened to Eve, then the idea is we can't walk around and say, oh, it'll never happen to me, yeah. Eve had not fried her brain, how many know, with drugs? As far as I know, she wasn't a meth addict, never had been. Bible doesn't say she used to be an alcoholic. She wasn't addicted to TV, social media. She did it Oh, social media. Well, Eve wasn't addicted to social media. Oh, I know what it is. It's it's the Internet. Eve got deceived before the Internet. And yet the devil's still able to deceive. He beguiled me. He tricked me. If you're going to avoid deception, you first have to be humble enough to realize and admit to, that you're already a strong candidate for deception. We all are. Jesus with the disciples, you know he's at the table. He says one of you is going to betray me. And the powerful statement, Lord, is it I? He says it's the one who has his hand in the in the cup with me or oh, when I re-. he says I'm reaching and, and they all say they know Judas is obviously doing, but there was enough humility to say, "You know what? It's possible I could betray you, Lord." God is it I? Christ says, this will not affect me as it has affected other people. I'm the exception. Maybe Eve thought, you know what? You know, God made Adam from dirt, but I'm much more refined. I came from a rib. Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul, do not be deceived. God does not mock whatever man sows, that will he also reap. There's people who think I'm different. I can handle this. I can take fire into my bosom and not get burned. I know better. I have a revelation that Adam doesn't have. Pride always works to further deception. Let's close quickly and talk about dealing with deception. Reducing the effectiveness. First thing you're going to have to do if you're not going to be deceived, you're going to have to check your desires. That's easier said than done because the Bible says our hearts are deceitful. You know, the greatest indicator, if you want to know where your heart's at, the greatest indicator of your heart is your pleasures. Pleasures for something good or bad indicates where the heart is. John Piper said this, the soul is measured by its flights, some low and others high. The heart is known by its delights and pleasures never lie. Pleasures are the whistleblower of the heart too. Pleasures are the heart telling you and I where our treasures really lie. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You know, when God's will brings pleasure, then you know your heart's in the right place. Yes, amen. When the will of God is what brings pleasure to your heart, you can say, you know what, man, I, my heart's in the right place. We can lie with our lips about what we love, but our pleasures never lie. Psalm 51, 6, Behold, you desire truth in the inward part and in the hidden part you make known to me wisdom. You know, you have to be honest with yourself and not help the devil's deception along. I I told a, I I preached a sermon in our church actually a few years ago. I called setting your own traps. Because what's interesting is the devil will set enough traps for you and I. How many figure that out? He'll bring the he'll he'll bring a tailor made temptation that has your name written all over it. It could be drugs, it could be financial, it could be a money scheme, it could be a relational boy or girl. It, but it's got you written all over it, and he'll just walk them right by you. But the issue sometimes is, it's not that the devil's setting traps; we set our own traps because nobody knows you better than you and God. I was telling the guy one time, this guy, he had got, you know, he had got his, he was living in his dad's church. His dad was a pastor. He fornicated. He it was in all types of pornography. His dad asked to send him down to my church, came to my church, and, uh, and, and he went and got a new phone. And I'm sitting in prayer one day, and he's kind of sitting up in front, and I just kind of look over, and I notice I can't even see the screen on his phone. And I'm, I'm like, that's odd. He's he's messing with the phone. You can't even see. And so I I, I called him over later and I said, hey, what's I, I noticed your phone didn't have doesn't even have a screen. He said, no, pastor, I got this screen and it was like a shield screen where any angle you couldn't see the screen. Now in my mind, I said, look, you just got nabbed for pornography, for fornicating. The last thing you need to do is try to have a phone where there's no accountability. And I thought to him, I said, listen, you're setting your own trap. You're asking to fall. Yes. woman saw the tree. You know what Eve could have done? She could have gone back to God and said, God, are you hiding something from me? The, the, the devil told me that if I eat this tree, God, but you said... She could have just gone back to God and got the truth. Uh, Problem is the more you look at the forbidden through the filter of deception, the more you become hypnotized. Gotta make truth your conviction. Our text says, Second Thessalonians, when we read it, said they did not receive the love of the truth. Let me ask you tonight. Do you love this book? Do you love the truth? He said they didn't receive the love of the truth. Oh, I've heard truth. I, I go to church, I've heard preaching. But do you love the truth? You have to have convictions. You know, convictions are things you determine ahead of time. Because in the moment, many times it's hard to make a decision. You can't, everything in life can't be a decision. Oh, I'm gonna make a choice. Oh, I gotta figure out what I'm no, no, no. Convictions are decisions you make way back here before you ever get in the situation. Yes, I mean, you know, Joseph had a, dis, had a conviction about how he treated the opposite sex. That's why when Potiphar's wife made the move, he wasn't saying, well, you know, my, 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 my master ain't here right now. He said, no, man. How can I do this great wickedness against God? I got a conviction. Yes. I tell people all the time, that's why I've never been alone with another woman, the opposite sex never been alone with the opposite Say, so i don't have dinner with them i don't ride in cars with them i i was working one time as a boss in a company and I, we all got ready to leave out and i would be last because i would lock up and there was a new young lady who i just hired probably a week ago and i hired her and everybody else was pulling out of the parking lot and i noticed she's trying to crank up her car and it won't start now it's just her me and her in the parking lot and she says, you know, I'm the boss. She says, hey, can you give me a ride home? I live right down the street. I said, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, I can't do that. But what I can do, I can do two things. I can either call you a cab or we can, I'll wait for if, you, know, if you need to get a ride. But I can't. Can you imagine if I'm riding down the street? Because you know how the devil works. He sets traps. Amen. So I'm riding down the street with her. And, and wouldn't you know it, somebody from the church or one of my wife's friends, hey, I just saw Tori riding with, I don't know who she was, but. And now I'm, well, you know, she got, but guess what? Now I've opened a door in my marriage, in my home. That's how the devil works. Another thing, and the last thing, if you're going to survive this, you have to dwell in the midst of a multitude of counselors. Proverbs 11, 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety, yeah. You know, in dealing with deception, I've discovered always a sense of something's not right. Sirens many times are going off everywhere. The Holy Spirit will always warn you. And when he does, that's where you need to get a second opinion. That's why you have a pastor. That's why you have brothers and sisters in the Lord. That is actually what the church body is for. It's not just because people want to be nosier in your business. But God has made the church to be accountable to one another. We are a body of believers. And as one lives righteously, we uphold other people to live righteous. And it actually makes an environment that thrives in the midst for revival. Well, often wonder how come Eve never asked her husband. Why didn't she go back to her husband and ask him or ask God? Pray. I want to tell you: listen, the enemy is very, very seductive. And if I can leave you with anything tonight, listen, understand that he works by deception. He plays on our desires. He finds something that we really, really want. And then he deceives us, manipulates our mind, makes it enticing, makes us curious. It makes us not even want to ask anybody about it. You know know you're down the wrong track when you're thinking about something. I don't know. right, But you don't want to really ask the pastor. I I, I know what he's going to say. Just go ask him anyway. Oh, but I know I've already. No, no, no. He may surprise you. If it can happen to Eve, it can happen to you. And I ask you to bow your heads tonight. God, we thank you.